still eating a granola bar. <clears throat> There's an intro for you. Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and buckle your seatbelts. It's time for your weekly ride-along with the Bikes on Bikes. This is Drive-By. Welcome, welcome. I am Mike J. He is my guest. We are the Mike's on Mike. This is the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. And Mike, it's been a couple weeks, two, three, I don't know, with the snow, they all run together. It could have been a month or two months by now. But it's been a few weeks since The Undertaker himself, Mark Calloway, was on the Joe Rogan Podcast. Did you, uh take the time to listen to any of this mike no i don't listen to podcasts that are simple strictly i i only listen to podcasts that are on itunes yeah i i've actually reduced my joe rogan listening for that unintentional reason there's nothing against spotify oh yeah i miss it I, I just don't <laughs> feel like adding another app to my phone that I, to like listen to things on yeah, I believe me. I totally get it. Uh, download Drive By Podcast on Spotify and Anchor FM. Come on, guys. Uh, but anyway, I did take the time to listen to it. I'm sure you heard the one massive like headline yeah, that I came know. out of this, right? Yes. Well, see the stuff, and okay, so the headline was essentially that. Undertaker thought the locker room of these days is too different, too soft. Um, talked about how when he was coming up, guys had guns and knives in their bags. Uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but of course that part was kind of taken out of context. There's no way to spin what he said as in he was joking and not not saying bad things about this generation, even though I don't think he was saying it to belittle them. I think he was literally making a statement that things are different now. Uh, Look, uh, calling... No, no. No, no. No. Don't you dare give this motherfucker a pass on this. This motherfucker (laughs) used the word soft, okay? No. He was being straight disrespectful. You don't fucking call someone soft without being fucking disrespectful and meaning it that way. Like, I called a bunch of my employees fucking soft yesterday, and I meant it in a way to piss them off, because that's the only way you use the word soft. You don't fucking call okay. people soft without talking shit. Fair enough, and fuck, I'm not trying to give them a pass. Fuck The Undertaker. But, 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 the other thing, like, they, there was one other big takeaway I had from this podcast that I didn't see any headlines about, and that's why... I don't mind that it's been a couple weeks past and we're bringing it up now because I think it needs to be mentioned and no one seemed to bring it up. And this is a very impressive positive. And this comes from, I'm coming from this of the angle of how often do we hear people shit talk Vince, shit talk WWE as a company. And this just, This isn't just WWE, this is just pro wrestling in general right now, but there is a point that I want to make specifically towards WWE, because he also brought up how how much better it is for guys and girls coming up, and he told the story of how he got into the business, and how he paid $2,000 to someone to train him, and... Showed up, I believe it was Buzz Sawyer, I could be wrong. Uh, showed up to his house with about 10 or 12 other guys that had paid him, and knocked on the door, he came to the door, butt-ass naked, didn't even know they were supposed to be there. If you've listened to any wrestler from back in the day tell stories about their, you know, coming up, it's kind of like a scam, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys have stories like that. Fucking even Kevin Owens they- has a story like that. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They pay they pay someone to train them. They either don't get adequate adequate training or training at all. The guy training usually has someone try to weaken them and run them off so they don't want to come back. Uh, it, it's intense, and to make it back then, you really had to have a will, which again probably 
harden some of those locker rooms. But that's not what I want to bring up. He he brought a very good point up that no one no one made clickbait out of. No one gave props to anyone. He's talking about the PC and the the performance center, the NXT, the culture, and basically saying how he basically had $2,000 stolen off of him and had to scratch and climb and grab to try to make it to the where the business has evolved so much that WWE is paying people to learn how to wrestle. I think a lot of us are aware of this, but I think it, this kind of bookend bookended the podcast a bit, Mike, and it really kind of made me take a step back and think, like, we all are sometimes guilty of talking shit on all different kind of pro wrestling companies, specifically WWE. Now, I'm admittedly a mark for WWE. We all know this, right? But they pay people to learn. They pay people to train. They pay people to stay in Florida and go to their PC and be coached. Yeah, And I don't think a big enough deal was being made about this. When you take a look at how it used to be, now can you pay to go to a wrestling school? Sure. Kane has one with uh, Tom Pritchard, right? And I'm sure there's a fee, and you're getting very good training. But then after that, if you were to, say, do a tryout, get a developmental contract, and now I don't know how the Nightmare Factory works, I don't know if they're paying those guys or charging those guys, But things are a lot different, and the wrestling business as a whole has certainly evolved from the 70s and 80s, right? And even the early 90s, as Kevin, late late 90s with Kevin Owens. I mean, yeah. The way people get brought into the business has changed a lot. I'll give them that. I just don't think we're like... I don't know. I'm sorry, man. I got like... I said, I'm pretty sure my tooth just chipped, so I'm not even in this conversation right now. (laughs) <laughs> and one of my earbuds just fell down the drain while I was looking at it. So, oh, this God. podcast has really gone off the fucking rails for me. <laughs> yep, earbud okay, down the Mike, fucking drain. Okay. Earbud down the fucking drain. I'm about oh. to kick a fucking hole in a wall right now, y'all. Y'all have no fucking clue what kind of fucking rage I'm in right now. My tooth just chipped. I'm fucking air. Picking holes in my fucking wall right now. I dropped the goddamn fucking earbud down the drain. <laughs> you need Lot a lot of podcasting, people. Lot fucking podcast. Keep talking, man. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think the point I wanted to make is, wow, and I do agree with you. What the Undertaker said about the current locker room. I mean, yeah. Sure, let's bring back like heavy alcoholism and drugs, right? Like who no, was it that, that said that? Who was it that said that though? Like one of the guys said something to that effect. Like someone said something back on Twitter was like, "Yeah, maybe we should all just have alcohol problems and pill problems." Yeah, I don't remember. I want to say it was Xavier Woods, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I believe it was. Well, that's because it was specifically done. brought up about instead of going to the bar, they play video games. Yeah. Look, Taker's not the first person to say this either. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not defending him. I, I think it's very shitty to think that because these guys don't fight each other and get drunk and fucked up on pills that they're less of men. I also understand, we have to be honest with ourselves, the stars that we grew up with are quickly becoming older gentlemen, right? And we all know, as that happens, you look down on the generations behind you. It just is what it is. You know, it's like Dolph Ziggler had a fucking quote one time where they asked him about the changing of the locker room. He was like, you got to understand, man, that like back in the day, it was just a big dude, right? You just had to be a big dude to be a pro yep. wrestler. He was like, now you got to understand that, like, most pro wrestlers, if you didn't, like, grow up wanting to be a pro wrestler, you're probably a former college athlete or former pro athlete. Yep. Who lives well and takes care of themselves. So they don't want to, like, drink booze and eat pills and party all fucking night. 
They're guys that eat well and fucking uh, do CrossFit and shit like that. Like, like the game's just changed, man. I'm sorry. Like, we're dealing with fucking athletes now, not fucking big assholes that just run into each other. Yep. And, and you can't. You, you can't. Can. You could never survive today in pro wrestling the way that they did in the 80s. You would never make it, man. And if you uh, want to train and you can go uh, get a look at a, at a tryout, you might get paid to do that. And I just think that's, I just, it's not something we need to expound upon. I just thought it was, it was a real takeaway for me, man. And I just thought, wow, all, all the crap these people went through and had to deal with, it just seems, it's just night and day. And we, we don't, we don't talk about it enough about how different I don't want to say culture because that's not what I mean but the whole coming up into pro wrestling with what WWE has done with the PC and like I said I don't know the details of the Nightmare Factory but I have to assume it's something close right if anything it's not someone stealing money from someone you know what I mean Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think we're like the industry is evolving, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I, I, it's really the only point I wanted to make about that. It was just my takeaway, and I, it, the the, we all jump to the negative, right? And yeah, what he said was shitty and almost, I think, fair to say, mean spirited. But again, if you've ever listened to Jr.'s podcast, he's a cranky old man too, right? Yep. So I guess that's just what it is. And I, I just wanted to shine a light on, hey, guys, we have a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar company that pays people to see if they can do this. Because that's the other thing. Some of these people aren't going to make it. But they're getting paid to find out. You that's know, pretty big. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more I'm like, I don't know. We're giving them a pat on the back for paying our fucking minor league. That's what every major sports company does. You should pay your minor league. You're right. But most of those minor leagues are are people who already have the skills to be in that position. I'm talking about the people they're paying for developmental contracts that might have been an athlete that never wrestled or a gymnast that never wrestled, and they're literally paying them to see if they can teach them this. Okay. I just don't... I, I'm not with you on this, man. I'm not. I'm, I'm just not with you on this. It's it's a billion-dollar company. You should fucking be paying people to see if they're going to be able to make money for you. Like, I just... I, I'm just not with you on this. I don't disagree with you. I don't think they deserve the such a pat on the back. It used to be to how it is now. Oh, well, yeah. If we want to do that, then yeah, it's fucking way different than it used to be, and it's way easier to come up in this sport. Um, I don't know. I just. I'm not in a good spot right now, people. <laughs> it, will also, be, it will be okay. Also, I fucking hate The Undertaker, so. <laughs> You're not alone in that. Any, uh, there's a lot of people that are in that boat with you, Mike. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on then. Tell me about, about NXT. Wednesday Night Wrestling. Yeah, tell me about NXT. <laughs> okay. NXT, in my opinion, this week, man, it was a fantastic show, Mike. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last, what was the last? New Year's Evil? I like New Year's Evil. I thought it was a very good show. That was their last, like, special. I think this was a better show than that. This was uh, by far the best non-quote-unquote special Wednesday NXT that they've ever done and possibly one of just their best episodes, period. Really? Yeah, it had great action. It had a ton of character building and story building and it was all paced amazingly well uh it was a two-hour episode that by the time it was done you were like wait that was it it felt like there should be more 
because it didn't feel like two hours. Uh, so the show started, let's see, how did we start? We started hot, man. We started with uh, semi-final for the men's Dusty Classic, MSK versus Logato del Fantasmo. I'll ask the same thing I've asked for all these questions, or for all these matches, Mike. Who do you think won? Um, Fantasmo. Nope. MSK gets the victory. Really? In, yes. In a very, very good match, Police Report gave it a B+. Uh, yeah, I guess B+. Yeah, I'll go with a B+. Very good match. I'll just pull in here and just kind of give you the story of the rest of the show that involves Logato Del Fantasmo. Uh, so, we get, I believe right after that, we get a scene in the back where we see Scarlet in William Regal's office and she's telling William Regal that next week Cross wants Escobar uh, and he needs to make it happen she's being a little seductive it's a really good segment right mm -hmm. she says something in Spanish afterwards I have no idea what it was I don't speak Spanish uh, so then later in the show we get an interview with Escobar and, uh, oh my god, Wild and Mendoza come in, they're dressed in street clothes, they apologize for losing their match, and he tells them, listen, it is what it is, you can make it up to me by taking care of you-know-who. Because he gave me time, and now his time's up, and make sure he doesn't make it till next week, because he's being told that, hey, this match is going to be official for next week. They say okay, and they leave. And I'll just continue later on in the night. We come back from a break, and we see uh, Mendoza and Wild laid out in the back. One's on a table, one's on the floor. You see a pair of high heels walk by, and then Cross immediately comes in the frame and basically tells Escobar, your time's up, buddy, and what just happened to them happens to you next week. Really great way to kind of put a lot of emphasis on a match and make it feel like a big deal. For a, for just next week's episode when we have a pay-per-view coming, you know what I mean? Right, right. So this just, all this, as I said, this was all spread out through the show, but this really just fed into the, I gotta see what's next, I gotta see what's next. They did an absolute great job with this. So after that, we get Zia Lee uh, with her new, uh, with Boa, and I'm gonna butcher this name, uh, Tia Shaw, it's T-I-A-N-S-H-A, uh, this creepy demonic looking thing that sits in the throne while she wrestles. Um, she was against Cora Jade, she kicks the shit out of Cora Jade. During the match, Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter come out to confront Zia Lee, and they're telling her how this isn't you, what's going on, you used to be, like, the life of the party, the, like, light up every room you walked in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what do you think happens there, Mike? <laughs> <coughs> do the lights go out? No, the lights don't go out. Hmm. But, uh, Zia Lee attacks, Zia Lee attacks Carter, uh, eventually knocks out Cat Nazaro with a spin kick. At one point, uh, Boa is getting choked um, by, I guess they're calling her Mia, Mai Ying, and maybe the faction is Tenshi. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, confu I'm confused yet intrigued, if that makes sense. Uh, but because they were getting, they actually went up to this figure, whatever we're calling her, Mi Ying. They went up to her and was pleading with her, who are you? Why are you doing this? That's when the attacks happened. And of course, because Boa let them get up to her, she ended up choking Boa. Lee knocked both of them out, which allowed Boa to be released. It's really interesting, man. Uh, I don't know how this got a C plus because I'm so intrigued by what they're doing with this and the effort they're putting into this. That seems like a, seems like a bleacher report, uh, fail. Let me see what they says. 
Uh, okay, they're mad, I think, because of Cora Jade being squashed. Because she, it says, Fascinating segment. Lee continues to pick up dominant wins, even against promising newcomers like Jade. The, inc- the inclusion of Carter and Kat Nazaro added an emotional element, helping evolve the story. Hopefully the squashes will stop soon and turn into complete matches. So they're just mad because they're doing squash matches to uh, establish her. That's what I'm getting. And they're mad because it does feel like a waste to bring a new potential star only for her to immediately get knocked down with such fever. Isn't that what they do, though? Yeah, you think. I mean, that's... Like, when they bring these people in, you see them on TV, sometimes a couple weeks here and there, and then they disappear, and they train a little more, and they figure out what they want to do with them, and they bring them back. It's been the NXT formula for a long damn time now. Uh, that's why they graded it low, and they're wrong. Alright. Moving on. Women's Dusty Classic semifinal. Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon versus The Way in Candice LeRae, and, uh, oh, indie, uh, indie wrestling, as she's now known. Uh, who do you think won this one, Mike? Uh, I actually know who won this one, so just go ahead and talk. Okay. Uh, so the match was fantastic. The match got a B plus. I don't know if they included the segment before this in there or not. It looks like they did. If they included the segment and they're grading the whole thing and they gave it a B plus, they're out of their minds. This was A plus all the way. So, like I said, Blackheart and Moon get the win. They move on after what was a fantastic women's tag match. But the highlight for me, even though this match was so good, was Johnny Gargano and the promo segment before this. Mike, I specifically told you to watch this, and I know you did. I thought it was I thought really this... good. He just went on a little too long. Okay, well, here's the thing. I thought this was fantastic. I thought it was almost the perfect pro wrestling Segment, even though it wasn't just this segment. Because uh, this extended from his promo all the way into this match and the next match. And I'll get to that here in a minute. But all I can say is I'm not going to sit here and go over promo. We say this all the time. If you didn't see this promo, watch the promo. But the day started on Wednesday with Austin Theory going on Twitter and doing a live video saying he was just leaving the Gargano's house. And Johnny's in a bad, bad way. They love to throw away in what they say. And he's not going to be able to compete at TakeOver, and he's really sad, and he's going to make Kushida pay for it. That's all we were left with. Even so much so that I saw a wrestling journalist tweeting, Johnny may be out of TakeOver. So, I was immediately assuming this was a work. Because uh, of Theory's delivery on his little video in his car was very over the top, if that makes sense. Um, when I saw him come out in a wheelchair, I automatically knew it was a work. Uh, but this promo was fantastic. William Regal's involved. The part where Kushida enters the ring behind them was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> and they don't know it. You just gotta watch this promo. And the best part is, we go into, did you see the Austin Theory Kushida match that was after this match, Mike? No, huh? I had to uh, take a shower and then do this podcast. <laughs> Fair enough. So, that after the tag match, we then have Austin Theory versus Kushida, and Johnny Gargano's at ringside, no longer in the wheelchair, uh, but still has his arm in a sling, even though during the segment we proved it was all fake. And Wade Barrett is on commentary completely selling the promo segment, the broken arm, uh, the way that The Way sold the promo earlier and Barrett continues to sell it. This is literally everything you want from your presentation on TV. Barrett sold it the hell made, out of it. It made the entire like segment and next two matches just seem, again, very, very damn important. And then the match uh, ends with Kushida has 
an armbar, I believe, on Theory. Theory is actually outside the ring, and Kushida latches the armbar on him off the apron. Gargano super kicks Kushida in the head. Of course, that's a disqualification. Uh, as they're trying to get Kushida, they're going to get Kushida with a chair. Austin Gargano's in the ring. Theory's going to go grab the chair, and all of a sudden, Theory gets drugged under the ring. Johnny sees us, reaches under the ring, and thinks he's pulling out Theory. The camera pans up. Johnny's got his eyes closed as he's pulling. And then he looks down and drops in fear as he realizes he just pulled Dexter Loomis out from under the ring. So <laughs> he backs away. Dexter Loomis goes up to the ring apron. Austin Theory is then pulled out by Dexter Loomis, who Austin Theory thinks that it's Johnny Gargano until he gets out from under the apron, and he's a scare- He's also scared of Dexter Loomis. I love what they're doing with this. Uh, it ends up with Kushida putting his, uh, what do they call it, the hover lock or hoverboard lock on Gargano. Loomis is putting his uh, straitjacket finisher on Theory, both in the middle of the ring. And then when Kushida picks up the North American title and is staring at the title... Loomis is cradling Austin Theory's head like he's done before, and then staring a hole in Kushida. So I'm like, is he after Theory, or is he after the North American title? Again, I have a lot of questions, and I love all of this. Um, I do like the way that they are... Um, they always have a lot of contenders for their belts. I like it that. It seems that they try to keep a lot of people in port. Which... I think is very important. Uh, after that, Mike, we get another promo. That's what I'm telling you, man. This is a great night for character building. Cameron Grimes returns to the uh, Capitol Wrestling Center. He's been gone for about two months. He rolls up in a Lamborghini. He's got a brown suit with no shirt on underneath because he's Cameron Grimes. Still has his hat on. Has glasses on. He's carrying wads of money. Uh, long story short, he gives an amazing promo about how when he was off and hurt, he got into playing video games, and then he found this amazing store called GameStop, and he thought, man, this store is so great, I think I should invest in it, and now he's rich. <laughs> okay. <laughs> called, him, called himself the richest guy in NXT. Uh, it was off the charts ridiculous, but in the best way possible, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And of course, Bleach Report gave it a D plus. They're literally high. I I don't know what they were watching that didn't. I, I don't know how you could watch this and not be entertained. He then uh, he even talked about Dogecoin, but called it Dogcoin, and talked about how Catcoin was bad because cats are terrible and dogs are better so dog coins better like it was fantastic it was the most backwoods rich guy promo you could ever do and the most like ridiculous over the top 80s style wrestling promo you could do and i loved every second of it so i guess we're seeing a slight character shift in cameron grimes and i think this dude has a lot of potential so i'm all for it all right so then we get to the the main event mike Another final for the men's Dusty Classic. Uh, Timothy Thatcher and Tomasa Champa versus the Grizzled Young Vets. I still think that's one of the greatest tag team names ever. Uh, who do you think won this one, Mike? Uh, probably Grizzled Young Vets. You would be correct. Here is the best. Now, this match was fantastic. But do you recall last week when I told you how the finish of the Champa? Uh, Champa Thatcher versus Undisputed Era was like one of those out of the nowhere holy shit finishes. Mm-hmm. And how uh, Raw Thatcher got tossed over the barrier by Roddy, and then when he got in the ring, he got immediately hit with the uh, draping DDT, and that was it. Yes. Well. This is, this is another thing that just set this apart and made this, uh, in my opinion, episode feel so special. They tried to recreate that, but, and I, this is something that maybe not everyone would pick up on, but they tried to recreate that same finish, but it didn't work because as a fan, you would sit there and think, 
Well, obviously, the grizzled young vets watched last week's match. Uh, one, I, and I don't remember which one, but one, uh, it was, I'm going to say Gibson, tossed Thatcher over the barricade, went to go into the ring, and immediately got grabbed in the draping DDT, but his partner grabbed his legs, and when Ciampa dropped for the DDT, he didn't take the didn't take Gibson with him and just landed on his back, grabbed his back and neck, which they already injured before the match started because there was a little brawl, and he took a... I don't know what move he took on the uh, apron, but they were selling his his neck injuries the entire time. Uh, and they were able to go in and then hit their finish on Ciampa because of them being aware of what happened last week, Mike. It was beautiful. Um, Say that again. They were they were able to, in the way that I dissected it and saw it, it appeared that they were able to take advantage of knowing what could happen when you walk into a ring when Ciampa's there. They stopped the DDT from happening and then hit their finisher and got the victory. And I just thought it was really, really good psychology that maybe not everybody would pick up on, but if you're paying enough attention and you're in tune to that shit, you understand exactly why that finish was built that way. Yeah, you watch week to week, you understand long-term storytelling. Yep, absolutely. It was fantastic, so we're set up. Grizzled Young Vets versus MSK. Uh, winner, of course, will get a shot at... Will be the Dusty Cup champion and get a shot at uh, the NXT Tag Team Champions. And uh, also, the women's winner will get a shot at the WWE Women's Tag Team titles. And that match, again, will be Dakota Kai, Mercedes... Or, I'm sorry, Dakota Kai, Rachel Gonzalez... Versus uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. Both of these taking place this weekend at Vengeance Day. Uh, fantastic show. Bleach Report gave this match an A minus. It was an A plus all the way. Uh, yeah, man, this was a great, great episode of NXT. Do you want to take a quick break and we can get into the other show? Yeah, sure. Guys, hang tight. We will be right back. All right, Lord Ketchum, what's your favorite line from a Star Wars movie? Man, why, why you gotta put me on the spot like that, man? No, time? come on, tell me a line from your favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick. Use it doesn't matter Use what your balls. favorite line from a Star Wars movie is. It is. It does. It isn't. Guys, pull over. Well, hey there. We were so busy arguing that we almost passed right by you. Hey, you like movies, don't you? <laughs> no, wait, wait. You love movies, right? Well, why don't you join me? The Lord Ketchum. And me, Dave King of the Road. And me, the Mayor Matt Logson, every other Tuesday. <laughs> typically every other Tuesday. Yeah, okay, so join us typically every other Tuesday on Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, the No Frills Movie Review Podcast. We bring our own unique and in-depth analysis of your and our favorite movies from yesteryear. We may argue. We will f***ing cuss. We absolutely will spoil key scene reveals and plot points. Because we only review movies that are 15 years or older. Typically, we review movies that are 15 years or older. Yeah, typically. Hey, who's making the rules anyway? We better get a move on, fellas. I'm sure there's other hitchhikers that are wandering along the highway waiting for us. You're right. You can catch Nostalgia Highway typically every other Tuesday. On Apple and Google Podcasts. As well as Spotify, Breaker, and where all the other popular podcasts are. But you can also find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast, and our Twitter handle is at HighwayNHP. We'll pick you up next time, out on the highway. Alright, Mike, it's your turn. What happened on that other channel? Um, well, we opened with a match we've already seen. A few times in AEW, it feels like Darby Allen versus Joey Janela. This time, for the benefit of a TNT Championship belt, um, this is probably the best match these guys have had together that I've seen. Probably Joey Janela's best match in AEW. Probably, probably. Wow. Yeah, right. It's like that. Um, also weird, this is like the second Joey Janela match I've seen in like two weeks. Oh. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, man, the last one was dope. Uh, it was the GCW uh, Fight Forever 24-hour event he was on. Um, it was a pretty good, pretty good little event there. I didn't talk about it enough on this show, but it was a pretty sweet little event. 24 hours of fucking pro wrestling. It was dope. Hell yeah, man. Um... Uh, obviously, Darby Allen picks up the win here. Um, 
he's still feuding with Team Paz. I we'll get into more of that later. Uh, Cody and Lee Johnson took on Peter Avalon and Ces Cesar Bononi, but I don't know what the fuck this dude's name is. Um, the <laughs> Lee Johnson is like um, he's the newest member of the Nightmare Factory or Nightmare Family, I guess. Whatever. Um, they need a black guy, so here we are. Um, <laughs> I did not watch this match. Gonna be honest with you, like, like there's, there's like. There's like literally nothing for me to care about in this match at all. Nothing. I I I, I just fast forwarded right through it. Uh, Lee Johnson picked up the win, and then uh, it was uh, the whole Nightmare family came out and made like a big deal about it. Hey, way to get your first win. Blah 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 blah. Um, the match fucking sucked. Um. According to Bleacher Report. <laughs> um, according to me, I don't know because I did not watch it. Uh, Hagman Page had a little, a nice little backstage segment with Matt Hardy in the Dark Order. Not going to get into that too much. It was really comical when the Dark Order got involved. They did like this, like, oh, oh, hey, hey, what's what's going on, Hagman? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah nice, to, nice to see it. <laughs> like this really awkward like ex girlfriend thing is awesome. Um, and I, I know the Dark Order is in a weird spot right now. Um, yeah. Man, just make Adam Silver the leader. Just just John do Silver. it. John Silver, yeah. Just make John Silver the fucking leader. The dude's hilarious. He's an exceptional talent, like all-around talent in uh, AEW right now. And that's like... I mean, just, just put the focus of this group on him. Let Evil Uno continue to be Uno, but let Uno and Silver, man, be, like, the head of the faction now. Like, that's just... Uh, I don't know. Silver is comedy gold, man. And he can fucking go in the ring. Um, after that, uh, we had uh, Pac take it on. Well, as I saw someone call it, um, call him the show starter, <laughs> the show yeah. starter, Ryan Nemeth. So, uh, taking on, uh, little Dolph Ziggler here. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like the nod there. Yeah. Um, even did the Dolph snap DDT, um, uh, Pac obviously picks up the fucking win, so... Right. Uh, B is what Bleach Report gave it. I probably... Uh, probably agree with that, man. The whole purpose of this match is to make fuck Pac look like a fucking psycho. And they they did that. Um, the Acclaim versus MJF and Chris Jericho. Uh, Sammy Guevara and MJF had a little backstage confrontation that ended with Guevara punching MJF in the stomach. Um, accusing MJF of trying to take over the inner circle. And then they got into it a little bit, punched him in the stomach. Um, obviously, Jericho and um, uh, MJF are going to get the win here. Um, Guevara came out after the match and quit the inner circle. Um, then left the building, said he needed some time away from this place. After that, we had a first match in a Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament. Uh, legit Layla Hirsch versus Thunder Rosa. Who do you think won this? I hope to God it was Thunder Rosa. Yeah, you'd hope to God Thunder Rosa wins this whole fucking thing, right? Uh, by the way, did you know Aja Kong is in this tournament? Uh, I did. I did see that, but I kind of forgot. So, so yeah, random. Um, this was a decent enough women's match for AEW. I did watch it just to see, like, what kind of match it was. It was a pretty fucking women's match for AEW. Um... And then we get to the main event, Kenta and Kenny Omega versus John Moxley and Lance Archer in a Falls Count Anywhere match. Um, I... <laughs> ah, I, uh... 
Bleacher Report gave it a B minus. I think I'm probably more of the C mind. Um, really? I like all I like all the people in this match, man. But like, you could have done something better than a fucking I don't know a hardcore tornado tag team match. I don't know. I think maybe I'd have just preferred to see these guys wrestle or whatever. But it is what it is. Obviously, you're not gonna have a fucking wrestling match when Moxley and Archer are in it. Archer takes the fucking pen. <laughs> um, um, that's the show, man. That's the show. Um, I do want to mention one thing that I didn't really get into. There was a interview with the Young Bucks. Um, the Good Brothers show up. And this is like, you know, how we constantly talk. Like, they just can't help themselves sometimes. <laughs> they can't. So the Good Brothers, who aren't even on fucking AEW, are like, did you see those numbers last week, huh? 880 to 6 whatever. And it's like, it's a developmental league. And you guys are like beating them. You're not breaking a million. And like, you motherfuckers aren't even on the show. Oh, man. And the worst part is, they say that shit, and they had the New Japan, like, forbidden door open last week. We all know that it was happening this week with Kenta working there, and they draw you 100000 less or something like that. They were in the 700s this week. So, did, did you hear... Eric Bischoff, I believe it was this week. Did, did you hear? Listen to eighty-three weeks this week at all? Um, what are they talking about this week? Uh, it was a TNA. Uh, no, huh, huh? No, no, no. So, Conrad brought up a. I think it. I don't know if it was a tweet or I don't even know if Twitter was around at this time. Uh, something that Jericho had said when talking about TNA and saying how. They were stuck at like 1.2 million or whatever, and they no matter what they do, they're not drawing more fans and blah 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 blah. And Bischoff said, "Boy, he kind of laughed." He said, "Jericho, those words might come to eat you, come to haunt you." Oh, oh yes, I did hear that. I did hear that. It wasn't the TNA one though. It wasn't it. Okay. It was the Harlem Heat one, I think. Uh, I don't. Oh no! It was. It was. It was. Um. It was. Um. A clash of the champions. Okay. Because those are the last two I listened to. Was one of the clash of the champions or the Harlem Heat episode? It was definitely a TNA win because they were talking about the 1.2 million people watching on. Oh, see, I don't. I don't listen to the TNA ones, and I've heard him say this here recently. So he must have said it on some on another one. Maybe, but he, he, he basically was saying, you know, they're you gonna got, lo- like, and he said, all respect to AEW, I like everybody there, I've enjoyed working with them, and he even said, like, I might not get any more phone calls, he's like, but, you know, he was basically saying, like, you're not lighting the world on fire either, they've lost viewers too, and it's just the, it, sometimes it is what it is, you gotta find that thing that appeals. I just found that interesting, and then they are doing all this stuff, and again, we talked last week, this isn't necessarily going to increase anything, and it actually went the other way this week, which I'm actually more surprised about that. I didn't expect it to go backwards. Yeah, um, they, And to know. be fair, just both not. shows... NXT and AEW went backwards this week. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what's going on. Uh, I know there's a lot of shit going on in the world. I actually just saw a tweet saying that uh, cable and uh, network views as a whole, Wednesday and Thursday night of this past week, are down like 1% to 2%. So I don't know if people just aren't watching TV or we're getting more and more people that are abandoning it to where it's starting to make a difference. Uh, Nielsen actually announced the Nielsen rating system. You know, you and I have talked about this. 
by, I think, 2023, maybe 2024, but I think 2023. They're going to have a complete new system, Mike, that's going to take into account apps, streaming services, YouTube, everything that any media that can be watched on television that is also uh, streamable or watched on an online app is going to be put into a new tabulation. So all that tells me is if the company that does the ratings is saying we're changing the way we do ratings, that's because it's needed. Good. Fucking about time, man. Right? And I mean... It's going to be interesting. Um, I don't rem- I wish I remember. I'll never find the tweet. It was like Tuesday night when that happened. Uh, but I, I wish that I had the date. That I hope it's sooner than that. Because if all these numbers stay relatively similar, it'll be really interesting once all that other data is compiled to see where everything from wrestling to NFL to sitcoms really land. Because I really think we're going to see, hey, wait a minute. There's not necessarily less people watching TV. There's just way more people watching it on places other than cable. You know, I actually heard uh, a podcast that I listened to, uh, who actually did a nice little uh, 100 episode thing for us, was Opie from the Opie and Anthony show. He said on his show that he had to order a new TV for his house. He hadn't ordered a new TV for years. And long story short, he called to get it fixed. And the guy told him, just buy a new TV. It's going to be way cheaper. And they got in a conversation. And the guy said that these things are so cheap because no one's buying them anymore. And Opie said, what do you mean no one's buying them anymore? He said, if you're under 30 or like in your late 20s, early 30s, you probably don't use a TV to watch anything. And Say I was like, Say that again. Repeat if, that. He was he made a statement that if you're, I I might even be wrong on the age, but like if you're under like a certain age, like I'll say twenty five, the majority of your uh, media intake you don't use a TV for. And I thought that sounded insane, but the more I thought about it. How many people that are younger probably just pull their phone out and watch it on an app, especially if you're in college? So they're saying TV sales are vastly decreased over the last, like, five years because people aren't buying TVs anymore. How insane is that? <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, man. That caught a hold of me. Fuck. I I think it's insane to sit and think of not watching a TV or that TVs might not be a thing that a lot of homes have, but apparently, from the people that are in that industry, it's something that they're fearing, that people aren't going to watch TVs. They're going to watch things on their phones and their computers and their tablets. And if that's the case... You're using an app. Even if you're using a uh, your service provider's app, it's still an app, and it doesn't count the same. So, if I'm hearing that, if that's being talked about on the TV manufacturer side, if Nielsen is changing the way that ratings are being done, clearly things are shifting, and these companies are finally starting to notice it. Uh, let's hope. It's it's bizarre to think about, but I mean, I couldn't imagine sitting down without a TV in my living room. Uh, but I'm also almost forty, so what the hell do I know, Mike? <laughs> well, you've only been watching TV for forty years now. Yeah, I even brought this up to a friend of mine, and how insane that sounded, and he said, "Well, yeah." But when we were, like, eight or nine, it was crazy to think that people had more than one TV in their house. And how many did you have? And I'm like, uh, like four. And I was like, yeah, you're right, man. (laughs) 
So I guess things do change. Mike, I is mean, there anything you have to you change have? eventually. Like, we can't just continue down this, like, archaic fucking, like, ratings path. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. Like, the rating system. Like, the, like it's, it's the most uh, nonsensical, asinine fucking thing in entertainment. Like, it's just, yep. like, it's an archaic system. We need to move past it. Maybe it'll shut some of this fucking wrestling argument up. No, uh, I don't have you anything. Know, you know, uh, I'll I'll add this. Nick Khan, who is high, I can't think of his position, but he's a he's a big one. They just hired in WWE. Uh, was talking on one of their earnings calls here recently and talking about this very thing and saying how they need to reconfigure this data and brought up the fact that he's not once watched SmackDown on anything other than the app. And by the app, he means the Fox Sports app. Which, again, doesn't figure into the Nielsen ratings. And he brought up reasons and this, that, and the other, but he's basically saying that they know from Fox that Fox is very, very pleased with all the different numbers they brought in from TV to app and all that jazz. So... I think this is going to be a very important thing when it does happen, and I think we're going to see we're going to see where we really are and have a better idea of the matrix that we should, I guess, take into account and measure and see where the wrestling business is. Look, I've said this before. NBC and Fox isn't giving WWE billion-dollar contracts if they're doing bad. If it's not worth it. And NBC just gave them another one. So, I mean, clearly the numbers are in their favor in so many ways. And I think we just, as fans and people of the public, it'll be interesting to see when we can actually have a one place to have that data that's more official than Dave Meltzer telling us what he wants to tell us from the janitor that works in the NBC streaming service building. Right. Terry Taylor. <laughs> Terry Taylor. Guys, I say it every week. It's been real. It's been fun. We'll catch you next time. I'm going to call the dentist about this chip, too. You motherfuckers have a good week. New episodes of Drive By drop every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe and make sure you never miss a single one. And keep the conversation going on Facebook at Drive By Pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. This has been a presentation of the Near Fall Network. fuck did you chip your tooth i chipped it like 10 years ago and i have a partial on it Ooh. and about every two to four years that motherfucker just falls right off <laughs>